0: Good morning, church. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's good to be back. Last Sunday, we took the Sunday off, went to visit our boys in College Station. It was a lot of fun, and so we're back. Quick update on the building. We're so close. I don't want to give you a date because I've given you like a million dates, but we are so, so close. We really are. I just want to thank you for your prayers two Sundays ago. And I'm going to ask you to continue to pray, not only for the building, but for us as a congregation. For us to pray for the contractors, the builders, and just to to realize that it's his timing, his perfect timing. Exciting times. I'm going to say it again. We are so, so close. We'll let you know when that day is going to be. So we're excited about that. You know, if you were to ask me where would I like to improve in my spiritual life, my answer would probably be my prayer life. Now hear me, I do pray daily. I really, really do. But sometimes, and I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes my prayers are more intense. There are a lot of times where I sit down and I just pray. But then the most of the times are more casual prayers, thank you prayers. Anybody else have that difference in their walk, in their prayer walk? Again, I do pray. But the other thing that I realize in my prayers, especially in my quote-unquote casual prayers, they are selfish prayers. I notice that my prayers are all about me. God help me through whatever circumstances. God help me and I fill in the blank. I think we're all that way. Now there's nothing wrong with that. Hear me. Don't go out there and say, pastor says not to pray for ourselves. That's not what I'm saying. God tells us to bring our petition to him. But just think for a moment, most of our prayers are selfish prayers. Now, I do get prayer requests, and I pray for every request they might have, but then I thought to myself, well, they're being selfish because they're asking me to pray for them. Nothing wrong with that. I repeat myself. But if we're not supposed to only pray for ourselves and others, what are we supposed to pray for? I ask this question because today as we continue our series in the book of Ephesians, we're going to find out what Paul is praying for. So if your Bibles with you, go ahead and open them up to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to cover all of this chapter, 21 verses to be exact. So let's get started. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. Again, I encourage you guys to bring your chapter to make notes, to underline, to circle. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul opens up and says this. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. Now check this out. Paul begins his second prayer. And as we're going to see, he stops. There's this big gap between verse 2 and verse 13. And then he's going to continue his prayer in verse 14. So this is how it's supposed to read if he didn't take this pause. Verse 1, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. And then, like I said, he takes this pause. Like someone asks him, hey, hey, Paul, aren't you going to tell us about this mystery of that what you were called to minister for? And then he says, oh, yeah. And he starts talking about this mystery. And then he picks up his prayer again in verse 14. And he says this, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. One big prayer with a pause in between. Now, I keep mentioning that it's a second prayer. Why do I do that? Let's recap a little bit how we started this great epistle, this great letter of Ephesians. In chapter 1, Paul opens up and he tells us that how the Godhead, how each person in the Godhead had something to do with our salvation. What a great promise. And then at the end of chapter 1, he begins his first prayer. And he prays that us as a church get to realize this beautiful promise, the hope, the power that we have in him, in Jesus Christ. And then chapter 2 two turns, turns and says this, that we were dead. That we were dead to our trespasses. But the beautiful words, but God made us alive. That we've been saved by grace through faith, not of our works. We've been saved for good works, for his glory. And then last week we saw that Paul reveals this mystery that both Jews and Gentiles can come together in him, united, unheard of at that time, working together as his church. And today he starts his second prayer. Verse 1, chapter 3. For this reason, for what reason? For the fact that I've been proclaiming the truth of unity in Christ between Jews and Gentiles. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Paul is saying, I am in prison for proclaiming this truth to you, the Gentiles. But notice, he's calling himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus. See, the emperor who imprisoned Paul at this time was Emperor Nero. A bad, bad man. But yet Paul realizes who he's imprisoned to. He realizes that he has been slaved from the bondage of sin. And now he is a servant, a bond servant, a doulos in Greek to Jesus Christ. So he says, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now he's going to take this pause that I talked about. And this is what he says. He's going to talk about the saving mystery. Verse 2. He says, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, speaking to the Gentiles, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. He's saying this revelation was given to me. What revelation that both Jews and Gentiles could, not, could now be saved through Jesus Christ. He continues in verse 4. He says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it is as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit this is what paul is saying let me just reword it so we can maybe understand a little better Paul is saying this mystery was not revealed in ancient time. This mystery was not revealed in the Old Testament. And now it's being revealed in the new. This mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all. See church, the Jewish people, the Jewish community knew that Messiah was coming. There was a Messiah to come. But they assumed the Messiah was only to the Jews alone. And now Paul is saying, no, the mystery that is now revealed is that Messiah is Messiah for all. For both Jews and Gentiles. Revealed to him by Jesus Christ. Now he's going to tell us what this mystery of the gospel has accomplished. Verse 6, three things he's going to mention. This mystery is that the Gentiles are... Fellow heirs, they're also members of the same body and are partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Three things that this mystery has accomplished to the Gentiles. First he says that they are now fellow heirs. He writes about the same thing in Galatians chapter 3 verse 29. Look what he says. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offering, offspring, heirs according to the promise. We become part of his family. Not only that, Paul also says that we are members of the same body, the church. Look what he says also in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For in one spirit we were all born baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, anyone who puts their trust in Jesus Christ is now adopted into this body. And all were made to drink of one spirit, he says. Gentiles are heirs, they're one body, and they're also partakers of the promise in Christ. The author of Hebrews Chapter 3, verse 1 says this Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, those of you that have been set apart, holy brothers and sisters, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus. Now, Paul is going to continue and he's going to talk about how he is a minister to the mystery, to the gospel. Notice what he says in verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister. I was made a servant according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. He's saying, I was appointed by Christ himself. I wasn't self appointed. I was chosen by God. Verse 8 To me, he says it again, though I am the very least of all the saints. Notice his humility. He's saying, even though I'm not worthy, Even though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. And now he's going to list two reasons why he was specifically appointed. He was given this ministry to, the first one, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And the second reason is to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Two reasons, Paul's saying, I am a minister to this mystery that God has given me. That Christ told him to share the gospel. That everyone can now be partakers in his body, both Jews and Gentiles. But he is saying is this, that he was primarily chosen to be the apostle, if you will, to the Gentiles. He says the same thing in Galatians chapter, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 2, verse 7 through 8. L- look what he says. This is Paul is speaking. On the contrary, when they, the apostles, saw that they had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, he's saying that when the apostles noticed that I was entrusted to share the gospel with the uncircumcised, who are the uncircumcised? The Gentiles. Just as Peter, he says, had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, the Jews. Verse 8. For he, speaking of Jesus, who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the Jews, worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. Paul was primarily entrusted to share the gospel to the Gentiles. And Peter was primarily entrusted by Christ to share the gospel to the Jews. They are to proclaim the gospel to all, but primarily each individual apostle had his ministry. I just want to share this side note. Please, don't take this as an insult. I just want us to reveal that all truth is in the Bible. Catholics believe that Peter was the first pope. It teaches that. Let me share this with you. Catholics are not Jews. And we just saw that the apostle Peter was chosen to share the gospel to the Jews. Paul was chosen to share the gospel primarily to anyone, unless you're a Jew who is not a Jew. The truth is in God's word. The second reason Paul was chosen to share this was to make plain to everyone the mystery that had been hidden in God before creation. That's what Paul was chosen. He's saying that even before creating all things, God had in mind this wonderful truth as part of his eternal plan. This wonderful mystery that all would be in his body in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Why, why must Paul do these two things? Verse 10, now don't miss this. This is so important. He says, so that through the who, who's going to be used? The church, us, not just Paul, not just Peter, not just the apostles. So through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Paul was chosen to share the gospel that through the church, everyone would know all of creation, including the spiritual world, would know of God's great wisdom in his plan for salvation. Every know, everybody will know his name. The name above all names. And he has chosen you and me, the church, to proclaim this truth Verse 11, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. I love this truth. What Paul is saying is that now if anyone puts their faith in Jesus Christ, we can approach God with boldness and confidence. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Verse 13. So, he says, because of what I just shared, because of these beautiful promises, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. He's telling the Gentiles, don't feel shame for my suffering, even though I'm in prison. I am doing this for your good and for his glory. Do not be discouraged. And now Paul is going to drop to his knees... And continue his prayer. Verse 14, for this reason, he says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Paul is praying to God the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. Paul is praying for us, the church. Paul is going to pray first for spiritual strength. Verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. He's praying that the church has the spirit or the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? He's going to give us two reasons. Verse 17 through 19. The first reason is that so that Christ may dwell. That Greek word, dwell is to be at home so that Christ may be at home in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love and here's a second reason may have strength to comprehend with all the saints all the church what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that you that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Two things Paul is praying for that Christ dwell in In our hearts. Verse 17 again, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. He is saying, Paul is, I am praying that the Holy Spirit moves in us, gives us the strength, gives the church the strength, and have Christ live in our hearts permanently. He is not praying that we let Christ in our hearts once in a while, depending on the season. What we need, he is saying that Christ dwelling in our hearts completely forever and ever. That is his first prayer. But notice, he also prays that we truly understand his love for us, his love for the church, his bride. Again, verse 18 through 19, that they may have strength to comprehend, really to understand with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He prays that the saints, the church, truly comprehend the love that Jesus Christ has for all believers. You want to know what the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of God's love for us is? Look at the cross. Those are the measurements. I love what Chuck Swindoll says about the cross. He says this, the cross is broad enough to cover anybody. The cross is long enough to go beyond any barrier. The cross is high enough to take us all the way to glory. And the cross is deep enough to touch any need, any sin, any hurt. Church, God loves you. No matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, look at. The cross. See, the more you know about Christ, the more amazed you are about his love for you and for me. Now Paul's going to conclude with a doxology. This is what he says in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power that at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. What a prayer. I want us to go back to verse 10 because I told you not to miss it. This is so important. Again, Paul is giving this mystery of sharing the gospel to all. Primarily to the Gentiles. Why verse 10? So that through the church, through us, through community, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might know or might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. When we understand his love for us, for the church, we can proclaim of his glory, the gospel to all of creation. He's using us to share the love through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is what Paul prayed for. Notice, he is in prison. He doesn't pray to God. God, God. Get me out of here. God changed my circumstances. Notice they're not selfish prayers. He is praying for the church. For us to give us the power to proclaim the good news. To understand the love that God has for us. And to share that love with all. Here's my sermon point, And I want to just summarize it in this way. As a church... We truly need to grasp the love of the Father so as a church we can truly love one another. Truly understand, truly grasp the love of the Father through His Son so as His church, and I'm emphasizing church, we can truly love one another. We need to continue to gather as a church community, assemble Let me remind us of what the author of Hebrews says. This is what he says. Let's not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Church, our society has become very comfortable. I know post-COVID things have changed. But we're no longer there. We need to be a church that encourages one another, loves one another, proclaims the truth together as a church. You cannot do church alone. You can't love one another, encourage one another if there is no other. I share this with you because we need to make church a priority, that's what Paul is praying about. That as a church, we glorify God. Not as an individual, together. We have more power, his power, to proclaim the truth. Let me land the plane with this church. I I read of a story years ago from this pastor, Pastor Corderlo. He talks about one of his trips to China to minister up there to small group leaders, and he gathers hidden because it's forbidden in China to share the truth, to assemble, to gather as a church. And he's talking to 12 small group leaders. And he asked, what would happen if we would get caught? And they said, well, you, you get exported right away. Out of here. And we, we'd serve three years in jail. And so the pastor asked, how many of you guys have been in jail? 18 of the 22 raised their hands. He's like, wow. So he says, open up your Bibles to 2 Peter. He only had 15 Bibles to share. The pastor did. So some of them didn't get Bibles. But he notices that one lady gives her Bible to another lady. So he goes up to this lady and says, why did you give your Bible away? And she says, oh, I know Second Peter. I've memorized it. Wow. Where did you memorize Second Peter? In jail. And he says, wait a second. Don't they confiscate the Bibles? Yes. But what we do, now check this out. What we do is we write on a piece of paper all of God's Word. And we got to memorize it quickly because if they find that, they take it from us. And I love what she says. She says this. They can take the paper away from us, but they can't take what's written in our hearts. Christ dwells in us. At the end of three days the pastor asks the small group leaders, what can I pray for? And the same lady says, I pray that we become a church like your country. And the pastor says, I will not do that. I will not pray that you become a church like we have. And this lady says, why not? I'll tell you why. Because you guys sat here for three days on a hardwood floor. You could have gotten caught and sent to jail. In my country, the pastor says, in the United States, if there's no comfy chairs, they won't come. If you've got to travel from your home to the church more than 30 minutes, they won't come. Now you can watch it on TV. Why would they come? But you for three days were here to listen to God's word. I will not pray that you become one of our churches in the United States. The other thing is this, he says, you don't have a Bible. And yet in our country, there's an average of two Bibles per household. And yet we never read them and you memorize them. I will not pray that you become a church like our country. He says, I'm going to pray that we become a church like your country. That is Paul's prayer. That is my prayer. That should be your prayer. That we come together. And not take for granted His love. And not take for granted His mission through us to assemble and proclaim the good news to give Him glory. Let's pray. Father, Father, we do give You thanks and praise for what Your Son has done for us. But Father, we have been saved for good works. We are his body, his vessels. So Father, I pray that we become a church like China. That we don't take our comfort over knowing you and assembling together and worshiping you together. That we don't take for granted the fact that we can gather as your church, that we don't take for granted that any minute we can pick up your word and read it. That we become a church that truly loves you. That truly understands your love for us. Because, Father, I know when we do, when your church grace Bible truly comprehends in our hearts the good news. The city better watch out. Father, I pray we are that church. We love you. We praise you. And it's his name we pray. Amen. I love you, church. God bless you guys.